0: Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of
1: Coffee's On. I'm Richard. And I'm Wesley. And today, we are doing a total 180 from our last episode. If you remember, at the end of episode three, we drew a theme at random out of a coffee mug for today's episode. And that topic is decaf.
0: Yes, so last time we covered all things caffeine, and today we're covering all things decaf. How it's made, what's the point, and why does it taste so different from regular coffee? But, before we begin, it's time to sample some coffee. Today's batch is from Dark Matter, which is probably the third largest coffee roaster in Chicago, after Metropolis and Intelligentsia. Dark Matter Coffee is all about sustainability, social responsibility, and fair trade practices. They're like the Patagonia of coffee roasters, at least from the Chicago market. They also have bold, fun coloring and logos, and you can definitely tell their graphics department has some graffiti artists or tattoo artists on staff. Either way, we are trying their Sin Caffeina blend, literally without coffee. This is a Colombian bean that was processed using the Swiss water method, which we'll get into a bit later. Roast-wise, I would say it's a medium to
1: dark, but Wesley, what are you tasting? Well, um, okay, so I'm going to start with smell, because I, when I smelled the beans, I got, like, a hit of curry, kind of some savory. Not like, I mean, it smelled like coffee. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm getting ordering chicken tikka masala out of our coffee filter, but, like... It definitely didn't have, like, a a sweetness to it at all, almost, for me. Um, But then tasting it, it definitely was sour. Like, sour citrus, maybe lime, kind of that, like... Limes have that really um, distinct sourness to them. Uh, And that was all I really got from just black. I don't know what you got, but it was just sour. So I
0: was a little bit on the opposite end of that. So smell-wise, I definitely got some... I want to say a generic floral scent oh i there was i don't want to say it was a sweetness but there is just this soft perfume to it okay. um that i kind of got from it no, nothing like savory um mm. maybe like a little bit of savoriness just from the grind sure from it being ground that kind of like like almost smoke that comes from a grind yeah um, but yeah, I, I didn't get anything savory other than that. In terms of original taste, um, I got, I found the floral again in the taste. Um, and then I was thinking some stone fruits. Uh, I actually okay. got a little bit of
1: fig. Um,
0: okay. Yeah, I can see that. In that, that initial Definitely. tasting.
1: See, I'm not a big fig guy, so I don't identify that one right away. I feel like I like them and fig then I have them guy.
0: and I'm like. Not as much as I thought. Who only eats two (laughs) fig But yeah, those those were kind of the main main tastes that I got. I will say, and we'll talk more about this in the episode, I wasn't as disappointed as I thought I was going to be. No. I'm so... Scared to try decaf coffees. I think a lot of us are. This is why we wanted to make this episode because we we wanted for our own edification to know decaf better because I always feel like the flavor is going to be off or bland or sterile or burnt or something that's just not going to be pleasant. And I was telling you this earlier. If someone gave me this as just a coffee, I would... Drink it as just a coffee, like not. I wouldn't have that like. Wait a minute, did you pull a fast one on me?
1: Kind of a thing. (laughs) Not like that Chris Farley sketch, yeah, live where he like flips the table. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
0: Uh, I I would have be like, okay, this is this regular coffee. So I will say, as a coffee taste, this one hits the mark. Is it my favorite coffee flavor? Is it the best roast I've ever had? No, but if I had this at a diner, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Right. See, and that is one thing that I, actually, I drink decaf, like, just as much, well, not as much as regular coffee, but a good quarter of the time. But like, so for me, I would, you know, with cream, I like it a lot more. So like I had half and half, um, but I, I don't know. I did have some different flavors with that though. Um, I got kind of some like darker grain, flavor with the cream um like kind of a barley maybe a rye but not as anisey kind of that same like uh like oh i don't even know how to describe it it's not earthy it's almost like a richness that you get or like a fullness and like depth of bread flavor yes or grain i got that note a lot and i don't know if that could just be like The cream is kind of sweetening the sour up a little bit. I definitely still got some of that breakfasty sour. It turned into kind of like a breakfast coffee almost. I did taste that. I didn't get any really
0: sourness or bitterness that I think you're saying. Maybe that's because I I ate something kind of salty before we had this episode, so maybe that changed my flavor palette. I am drinking.
1: I did try to rinse my... I am drinking a soda, but I did try to drink water to try and kind of like cleanse. I don't have any fresh ginger in the house. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but I will say I added some milk, so I usually drink my coffee
0: with a little bit of 2%, uh, and I definitely taste the breakfast blend yeah. type it which does is kind of funny for a decaf, a decaf. coffee. Hey, I serve flavor decaf. Profile, let
1: me totally tell works. you, I serve decaf more often in the morning than I ever do at night because usually people have gotten wired on their hotel room coffee and then they come down for breakfast. They're like, I don't want any more coffee. They, they want the
0: coffee to drink with their meal. Yeah. Like you'd have a beer at dinner or, you know, wine at dinner or something like that. So they drink it with their meal, but they're already, what, like two, three cups in and they're like, I can't have another. The
1: hotel provides, I think, like three of those little pop-in filters, yeah. Um, Oh, for those of you listening, I I work for a hotel in downtown Chicago. That's my full-time gig, Um, but, and I love it. I love working in downtown. Come to downtown Chicago. The world's reopening, yay. Yeah. That's my pitch for the world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do you wanna know what the website actually said?
1: Yes, please. Which
0: I I will say I was very surprised that there were flavor profiles for this coffee. Sure. Um when I was by, I'll say we'll talk later. I'll yes. actually Yeah, say I know you, what the, the you literally are. see
1: my brains yeah. so, gears um, turning.
0: it says notes of plum,
1: dark chocolate and floral. Plum. That's the sour yes. I'm getting. Oh, I knew I knew it was like a distinct fruit, but I'm like again, not a plum guy. You know, I don't have enough bowel trouble. So we're not at that age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yet. Uh, but yeah,
0: so I got this coffee um, actually at a local shop close to where I live called Eco and the Flamingo. And they do kind of containerless shopping, not like sure. bulk shopping, but kind of bulk shopping. But you bring in your own containers, they fill it up, all that. Like yeah. it's more based on weight.
1: See, Um, I like that idea a lot. So it's like if you were to go, say, to like Super Saver and shop in the big barrel section where you buy stuff in bulk. But you don't have to buy like 20 pounds of it. Yes.
0: Um, But they also, they're like just a little store. They have cleaning products, all these kinds of things. Uh, Again, that store is called Eco and the Flamingo. Fantastic people. Uh, I told them about this podcast as I was buying these beans because they do have some coffee beans that you can just pour by the amount, essentially. I believe they're all from Dark Matter, so if you really want to get a sampling or introduction to Dark Matter, that's a way to do it without buying the whole bags. Mm -hmm. Um, But I saw that they had a decaf, so I'm like, that's what I need. Uh, So I was able to grab this essentially in a grocery store. So we talk about Mm -hmm. like the availability of some of these uh, blends. This is available um, at some probably more specified Grocery stores, as opposed to like big box retailers, right? Um, so this
1: would be more of like the the less corporate Whole Foods. You would sell this stuff. Yes.
0: So maybe more neighborhood bodegas or okay, like yeah. things like that, or like,
1: like even you know in Chicago we have lots of stores that only sell either imported or local products.
0: Exactly. So
1: places like that you'd probably find all dark over matter. Yeah. Um,
0: in general, but. Yeah. So on their website, I was, like I was saying, I was really surprised that they had flavor notes for a decaf. Like I'm, I learned a lot about decaf this episode. I'm very excited to share it with you. Uh, I've learned a lot for myself just because I was definitely... like I was looking at tattoos that said death be- before decaf <laughs> because that's how much I'm like, I don't want to ever have to get to a point where I'm
1: only allowed to drink decaf yeah. in my life. It was kind of enlightening to read about it and exactly. kind of do the studying because I think a lot of the assumption is that they're basically just like skeletal suck dry coffee beans that have no flavor, but there's actually a science behind it and mm-hmm. a very... You know i had to ask my brother because he's a like chemistry guy and i was like what is all this like and he kind of sat me down and told me the p's and q's exactly well anyway since we're both pretty excited to go over
0: this episode why don't we jump right not in? caffeinated but excited <laughs> not caffeinated <laughs> but excited our excitement will carry us through the body of this episode so let's get into it So for most people, I feel like the biggest question they have in regards to decaf is what exactly is it? How is decaf made? How is it chemically or actually different than coffee? Now I found a long time ago this um, very helpful uh, description online. It was a picture of the coffee plant and it said over it that uh, for those of you who don't know. Both regular coffee and decaf coffee come from the same plant. Regular coffee comes from the coffee berries or the coffee cherries that grow on the plant, and decaf comes from the dirt that it's grown in. It's <laughs> God. <laughs> dry as hell. <laughs> uh, like I said, I've learned a lot on this episode about the flavor profiles of decaf and actually what makes it different from coffee. And though there's still a part of me that kind of believes that uh, internet meme, uh, I've definitely changed my mind since researching this episode. But obviously the big question is what is decaf coffee or how is it made? How is it different than regular coffee? So essentially decaf coffee is coffee in which the bulk of the caffeine content has been removed by chemical or washing methods before the beans are roasted. So this is a process that happens before the roasting of the beans, after they've been um, pulled out of the cherry, removed of all you know excess... The remnants, whole, the stuff, things the, like the that.
1: Things.
0: So there are four ways to make decaffeinated coffee: two ways using solvents, one way using carbon dioxide, and one using water. The first of the two solvent ways is with direct application. First, the beans are steamed for thirty minutes, then rinsed repeatedly over several hours with liquid solvent. The solvents used are either ethyl acetate or methylene chloride, and they selectively bind to the caffeine molecules as they're applied. Then when the beans are rinsed of the solvents, they take the caffeine with them. The solvent most commonly used in direct solvent decaffeination is ethyl acetate. So that's the first method. Essentially, beans are steamed, the solvent is attached, they're rinsed over and over and over. Uh, to kind of get the solvent back off of the beans and then they are dried and go on to the roasting process. So the reason that the beans are steamed, and we'll talk about this in the other methods, is that heat essentially energizes the caffeine molecules. Mm -hmm. It kind of loosens them up and makes it easier for the solvent to attach onto. So when the beans are washed, the solvent attached to the caffeine molecules are washed out with it, Yes. so that's the point of the solvent, and that's the point of steaming it. Uh, But the second solvent method is with indirect application. So the beans are soaked in hot water for several hours, removing not only the caffeine, but also the oils and flavors. So again, the beans are heated, and this gets the caffeine molecules moving, It also gets some of the other oils and flavor profile molecules, whatever those might be, moving and essentially separated from the bean itself. So the beans are then removed from the boiling water, and the solvent is added to bind to the caffeine. So the beans are taken out, the solvent is added in to help bind to the caffeine molecules that are still in the water. Then the water is heated again to evaporate the solvent, leaving the oils and the flavors. Then the fresh beans are added into the water, into this water that still has the oils and these kind of flavor molecules. Uh, That sounds very generic, flavor molecules. There are so many different molecules and chemicals that actually make the flavors of Mm, coffee beans. So it's hard to distinguish it um, like the individual ones. So we're just kind of generically saying flavor molecules. Yeah. Uh, So they're added back in so they can kind of essentially re-soak up that flavor. uh, But they are now decaffeinated beans. So the solvent used for this indirect method is the dichloromethane thank you wesley that is a big word that is hard for me that's the
1: it's the one you said before um uh what is it methyl methylene chloride Mm -hmm. but this is the actual like miles my brother corrected me he's like this is what a chemist would call it is dichloromethane got it yeah methylene chloride is like the prescription name so so those two methods are like the you know are like the chemical ones and i believe
0: the most popular i, I think, think the most typical way yes. of doing it i think that come it i don't want to say sus- not sustainability it comes down to uh effectiveness and efficiency mm-hmm. on the line like it's actually caught co- more cost effective to do it yeah. this way you can produce it more quickly you can you know get it mm-hmm. down the processing line more quickly by doing it with solvents so that's typically If we're thinking large scale manufacturing, that's the quickest way to do
1: it. Sure. And it sounds too, those two are the oldest methods. So it's also possible that just it's tried and true. They don't mess with it. Absolutely. Um, Well, the next couple methods I'll tell you about, which are, um, they're the, I guess not natural, but if you were to say natural, it would be these. So the third method is using carbon dioxide. So in this method, the beans are soaked in hot water to open the pores and allow all the caffeine molecules to start mobilizing, like Richard said before in the last one. However, these beans are then placed in a hermetically sealed stainless steel vessel known as the extractor. And the uh, carbon dioxide is then pressurized and assaulted onto the coffee beans. So this carbon dioxide is pressurized up to 1,000 pounds per square inch, which makes it super critical or liquid CO2. Like the gas is literally compressed so far, it's a liquid. Um, wow. This pressurization causes the caffeine alkaloids to attach to the carbon dioxide and it it removes them from the coffee beans. The carbon dioxide is then moved to a separate container where the caffeine is separated, and the CO2 can actually be reused and to do the same thing all over again. That um, also leaves the coffee oils and flavor compounds pretty intact in the bean. Um, it works similarly to the solvent method, where you're using like another like chemical in this in this case a gas to like bind to the caffeine and get it out to to decaffeinate a coffee bean. But the carbon dioxide method is more expensive because of equipment investment. So it's usually not used by these smaller coffee manufacturers, but by larger, like commercial grade restaurant, you know, grocery store manufacturer, like huge companies that make it cheap. Exactly.
0: And Mm -hmm. I can imagine because you can reuse that CO2, um, that's large scale. That's probably a pretty effective way of doing, doing things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, And then the last one is probably the most natural method. Um, Well, actually, it is the most natural method until we find a more natural method than this, but I don't think there could be. Um, It's called the Swiss water method. So in this one, you take a bottle of Fiji. No. um, (laughs) uh, The technique was developed in the 1980s by Swiss scientists looking to find a way to decaffeinate coffee without the use of any gases or solvents. Uh, This process starts similarly to the other methods with the beans being soaked in hot water to help kind of coax the caffeine out. Um, However, this also removes all of the oil and flavor, like in the second one we told you about. Um, and it goes, in, that all goes into the water as well. So the issue is returning the oil and flavor molecules back to the coffee. To do this, the water is filtered through an activated charcoal filter, where the larger caffeine molecules get caught in the filter, but the smaller flavor compounds molecules things are able to pass through. Once it's all filtered, the filter is disposed of, and the beans are added back into the water to soak up the flavor molecules before continuing on to be processed. Now, interestingly enough, the Swiss water method ends up being the most expensive because once the caffeine is extracted into this charcoal filter, it can't be removed. It cannot be removed. When using a solvent, the caffeine can be extracted from the solvent and then be sold off as like, you know, no-dose or like some kind of caffeine, you know, additive, um, or just pure caffeine. Um, and you know, that money usually helps to offset the cost of decaffeination with these companies. You're able to like sell the byproduct as many companies do, but with the Swiss water method, it you're kind of wasting charcoal, activated charcoal filters every time you do it. Um, but I think a lot of, uh, like, don't a lot of smaller companies use the Swiss water method because it's... They do because it's, it's the cleanest method. Sure. I think,
0: uh, a lot of companies like, uh, actually the, the beans we had today from dark matter, um, were used by water f- uh, filtration in order to get that, the, the caffeine. So I'm assuming the Swiss water method. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were doing that for a lot of their beans. Sure. Um, it is... Other than the disposal of this now charcoal filter that's been used, it is chemically the less aggressive, invasive method. It's going to create less waste in that department. Um, So it is naturally for people and not only sustainability down the line and production but thinking environmental like you know what chemicals am i putting in my body right kind of health consciousness uh it is the safest method in that respect i
1: did write down in my like written notes too that i forgot to add into our show notes um that the swiss water method is usually used in order to have something be certified organic because there's no chemical additive
0: yes but the one thing i did find interesting about the other processes with uh the solvent Mm-hmm. is that you can actually take that caffeine molecule off the so- off the solvent. You can actually detach those yeah. and then sell it on as pure caffeine. Like I found mm-hmm. that incredibly fascinating that they're like, "Oh, all these energy bar companies or energy drink companies, soda companies um, medicine companies, you know, mm-hmm. like we talked about how um sometimes headache medicine excedrin, excedrin will have caffeine in it. <laughs> My so savior these coffee roasting companies are able to in their process of creating decaf, they're able to create this kind of, you know, extra item that they can yeah. sell off. Yeah. Um to, you know, be into to go into these other it's things. It's the
1: petroleum jelly of the coffee industry. Exactly. It's uh
0: very interesting offset that oh yeah this
1: and it's also an easy way uh my brother learned how to isolate caffeine with dichloromethane and in like one of his first labs so he's like it's a very practical he told me it's a very practical scientific experiment for beginners because it's super easy it doesn't really fail and you're extracting something useful out of something yeah yeah.
0: and the the thing i find cool about that is especially since it is such a beginner uh you know kind of chemistry project Mm -hmm. that a lot of people um probably now more than ever are buying coffee beans pre-roasted they're roasting them at home they're finding their own methods of doing that so if you are someone who does that and you're like i'm interested in doing that but i kind of want to try it with decaffeinated coffee um, when people get those beans, they're green, they're dried, they're ready to be roasted. Essentially mm-hmm. you could kind of go a step back, decaffeinate them yourself. If you learn this, how to do this simple exp- uh, experiment, although maybe getting a hold of the chemicals might be a bit tough. Um, maybe, but you might be able to honestly do this at home, depending on how, you know, smart you are. And that's getting the a hold future. Of the chemicals. That's the future. Doing <laughs> this all at home. Um, But the biggest thing to note here about the decaffeination process is that this can be done to any kind of coffee bean. It's not like we grow coffee beans to specifically be decaf. Uh, You can do it to any bean any kind of coffee that's grown anywhere right. It really doesn't have to be specific. So it's not a blend. It's not an origin species of coffee plant. Any coffee can be made into decaf as long as it's done before the beans are roasted. Mm-hmm. That's the critical thing. This is not part of the roasting process. This is pre roasting process.
1: What I will say there, there was, or maybe still is an attempt to breed a caffeine free coffee plant and there has not been much success yes i'm sure i'm sure that by doing all that you know splicing
0: and growing plants together to make like hybrid plants yeah which they've done with other coffees before to keep them growing sure i'm sure they've probably tried to find ones that produce less caffeine and try to blend them together so they produce even less and less and it's less like a and
1: slow less. bring down yeah, yeah. um It'll be interesting to see how that pans out in the future if it ever does. Well, Monsanto's probably on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna take you through the history of decaf. So there is a definitely a history to decaf. It's not just like coffee came out and they're like, oh yeah, we can just split the caffeine off. There's a whole thing. So the process, well, the first process of commercial decaffeination was invented, or probably more like discovered, we should say, in 1903 by a German merchant named Ludwig Rosalius and his co-scientist, co-worker, friends. All right, Richard. Well, I'm going to give you a history lesson now on decaf coffee, because I love a good history lesson. Absolutely. You know, I never really liked history class, history class, but I love as an adult just history (laughs) you know ultimate irony of life i guess um so the first process of commercial decaffeination was invented or probably more rather discovered in 1903 by a german merchant named ludwig roselius and his co-workers he had discovered that a shipment of coffee beans that had accidentally been soaked in seawater had lost most of their caffeine content but not a lot of their flavor uh, he went on to study the process more, and then by 1906, the process uh, was patented and it involved steaming the beans in various bases and acids. And then eventually, he landed on benzene as the solvent that would best remove the caffeine. So he went on to sell his decaffeinated coffee under the uh, name Coffee HAG, it is an acronym, um, in most of Europe. Uh, Café Café Sanka in France, which would sound familiar to anyone who knows decaf, and then later Sanka in the U.S. Um, Sanka is the abbreviated French of sans-cafféine, or... Without, without caffeine. caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know, we say sans, like, you know, script sans. I'm sure
0: it was pronounced like son caffeine yeah. or caffeine or something like that.
1: Um Sanka is actually not a like a drip brew coffee. It's an instant decaf. Uh it's made of freeze dried coffee crystals. We'll talk about instant coffee in another episode. That's like a whole other venture, but don't worry, we'll get to it. Um Originally, in the U.S., it was actually called decafa, which just means, like, you know, decap. Um, But Rosalius lost his American trademark sometime before 1920 on the product after mistrust and, quite frankly, just plain racism against Germans generated after World War II. So a lot of Germans working in the U.S. um, were basically filed as, like, alien immigrants. Any businesses' trademarks were just... (laughs) given up and you see a lot of at this time of course you see a lot of that
0: um kind of anglicized americanized Mm -hmm. version of german names because they're like i'm afraid to go by this german title or this german business because people are gonna you know yeah they're gonna mistreat me so you i mean people were changing their names from
1: schmidt to smith smith yeah what's like the english version it's just like the futuristic i mean german is kind of old english so luckily it's not difficult. It's not like turning a Japanese name into something yeah. English. <laughs> like Tsukiri Smith. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so not one to give up. Rosalius decided to sell his product as Sanka in most countries around the world after that. So we just kept it to the one name. Uh, in France, the original Café HH H A G, God, that's difficult to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brand became the sort of like name specialty brand as opposed to Sanka, which was sort of like generic decaf coffee, which I think is interesting. It's literally the same, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, marketing. Uh, however, after the 1970s, the company only manufactured Sanka. And a fun fact about Rosalius, he liked the idea of being a Nazi but not Hitler's idea of being a Nazi, which I thought was kind of interesting because I'm a European history guy. Um, He, I guess he thought there should be a superior lower class of Germans that could have consisted of those that were persecuted and murdered during the Holocaust. So at one point, Hitler actually really revered him as like a great German engineering, you know, he he created Senka, you know. Like
0: merchant and businessman.
1: And and then they like had a quick falling out when he realized that you know, Hitler was basically just out to kill people, and he was like, "This is not what I envisioned this to be." And he sort of started to renounce his support of the Nazis. It's very, but he never like totally was like, "I'm against the Nazis." That just you know, but like, he's, he
0: wanted he wanted it, but not that he much wanted of
1: there it. to be an elite German leading class, but he didn't think it should. I don't know; I could be getting this wrong, but from what the sources I found said, he didn't necessarily want it to be. At the cost of like millions of people's lives. Interesting. Yeah. Well, anyways, so, uh, he was again, though, he was very, he was a very good business person, regardless. I mean, he advertised Sanka to the U S. Um, it became, there were Sanka cafes in New York city. That's how it debuted. And then it became so popular there. They quickly like shifted it into retail use. So only as decaf coffee. Only as decaf coffee. So Interesting. At, so full cafes just serving decaf Just coffee. serving instant coffee decaf. Wow. Yeah. And this was like 1930s in New York. This is like Great Depression. So to get the only coffee you probably really could get at that time was instant. And to have an instant decaf that was cheap and, you know, could be made in the United States and enough to be imported. Pretty, pretty, you know, outstanding for a marketing from a marketing perspective, uh, he sold it to Kraft Foods. They're the U.S. distributor, but he still, his whoever owns his business in Germany still owns Senka there, but he was really into radio and television. So he and Kraft, like, mounted these mammoth advertising campaigns in the United States during, like, the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Like, for four solid decades... Sanka was sponsored by television shows, radio shows, TV hosts, you know, anyone who basically needed a spot filled Sanka would advertise and they were in newspapers. They were, you know, they had cafes in New York. like, they were really kind of a, they were the only decaf brand for a while. Um, and then I did find a kind of a blurb that said Sanka was at one point, the most, the most consumed instant coffee beverage in the entire world because it was sold all around europe even over regular over coffee. regular instant coffee. coffee wow Sanka was more popular at like one specific era in time and it was just because it was everywhere it was advertised as hey you can still have a hot cup of coffee but you can go to bed like you don't you can enjoy the coffee so you can drink it for uh uh-huh. more hours throughout the day mm-hmm. essentially yeah okay However, since the original patent of Roselius' Sanka, or like however he decided to make decaf, benzene has now been recognized as a carcinogen. So we don't use it anymore. Um, They use like the two we just mentioned, dichloromethane or ethyl acetate. Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) We're not chemists. Um, But yeah, it's, and Sanka is still sold. Like you can still buy Sanka. And there's, it's kind of a cultural phenomenon, I want to say, of kind of maybe a couple generations past now. Like our parents would know what Sanka is, but I don't think I don't think anyone that's like younger than us, maybe even our age, know what Sanka is, unless they do musical theater, because there's oddly lots of references to Sanka all over musical theater. Yeah, I can, I can. <laughs> Golden Era, you know. Like. No, I mean I'm just even like looking through the pictures of Sanka
0: bottles, and I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Like I I know it because I've seen it, you know, in in supermarkets and things right. like that. And probably, My grandmother bought St. Yeah, honestly, I've probably seen it in grandparents' cabinets yeah. when I've been visiting them. So, wow, that's crazy, though. Most consumed instant coffee in the world. It, yeah, I... At that, one point. At one point.
1: It was, it was... Well, and there's, like, a weird history with um, decaf coffee. It's, like... <laughs> at one point, it was really lauded as, like the next best thing that's ever happened to coffee since Folger was born. You know, like it was so intense, the excitement around decaffeinated coffee. And, you know, I think a big part of it was that, you know, in the 80s, caffeine was really viewed possibly as a cause of health problems because we're like, oh, everyone's drinking soda and all these drinks that have caffeine in them. The caffeine must be making everyone... Crazy. I'm like, well, we found out now, no, it's actually sugar. But yeah. caffeine, they've disproven a lot of it. But in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in particular, there was a big health scare around the, the you know, after effects of caffeine. And there's lots of things. There were lots of studies that were done to prove if caffeine was A, addictive, or B, um, you know, could cause heart problems later in life. You know, no one really knew maybe if caffeine was the cause of heart disease or you know you just didn't know that it, it was still kind of new and decaf uh definitely was like it yo was, it was an answer it was make a an mark. answer mark to, an, uh-huh. to an
0: issue to a potential health issue and
1: especially for a drink that was so widely consumed you know no one would give that up no one's gonna give up their cup of coffee so sanka was really kind of the perfect answer at that time wow really a very colored history yeah right for a decalated coffee for the most boring cup of coffee you'll ever buy
0: keep saying decaf and there is an unfortunate reality about decaf and that is uh the next big question is is decaf coffee 100 decaffeinated so it is is it actually fully decaffeinated right. and the answer is no it's not completely like though decaf coffee contains significantly less caffeines there's no way of eliminating it 100 like re- remember what we talked about with the uh the actual decaffeination process it's they're attaching to the molecules you mm-hmm. know like these are molecules of caffeine coming off these beans so it's there's no way you're going to do a clean sweep of all one you know 100 percent of them no
1: and my brother even mentioned that he's like for every he said basically it's a balance you know he's like for and when it's balanced it will stop Like, you know, it's like when there's no more room to absorb it, there's no more room. That's just, you know, how chemistry works. Yeah. So again, not a chemist.
0: (laughs) However, the U.S. law or the USDA uh, requires that any decaffeinated coffee must have at least 97% of its caffeine eliminated. So that being said, the USDA has found that a typical eight ounce cup of Decaf contains about two milligrams of caffeine. So that's compared to the standard 80 to 100 milligrams in a standard cup of coffee. So you might not be getting that 0% uh, caffeine intake, but you are getting around 2 to 4% of what you'd normally get, which is hitting that 97%. Yeah. So it's marginal. You'd
1: have to be so hyper- allergic i feel like to it to even feel it you know you'd have to have some kind of reaction crazy reaction to caffeine yeah
0: i mean there's there's no way that you're gonna get essentially that that stimulation that you get from drinking um regular coffee i mean even with us drinking this now like i'm Still <laughs> yawning in the background because I'm like, oh, it's late and we've been at work all day. See, like, I cheated I and I had you get
1: me a Coke. Yeah. See,
0: <laughs> so like usually when we have, you know, when we have these tastes of coffee and we put it on the drip to taste it afterwards, you know, we're, we're a little bit ready to go. We're, we're alert. We're getting, this is not like this. the last
1: episode where we were bouncing off the wall. Yeah, exactly. Like we're, we're a little
0: more set back, a little more settled on this episode. More.
1: I, I put in a full shift at Starbucks today. So I've had a lot of coffee. I had an, in opening, my life today. I've had an,
0: open and close today at work, so I'm tired and this coffee did not help alleviate that. No. I'm just, <laughs> it just tasted like having
1: coffee and then being able to go to bed. See, I cheated. I had one of those matcha green tea lattes because I had to make one because I'm training and they're actually really good. Which, do you remember how much caffeine matcha has compared to a lot. Yerba and regular tea. It's like it's baby green tea and it's powdered, so it's got quite a bit more yes
0: less slightly yes less than yerba but almost twice as much as black tea
1: right yeah it's black tea and everyone thinks black tea is like the the max and i'm like no (laughs) no green tea as much has as much caffeine as black tea most Mm -hmm. of the time yeah so anyway that is just kind of a big
0: thing with decaf coffee so if there if you are someone who actually does have an allergy to caffeine or can have um, any kind of reaction to it know that going into decaf coffee it's not a guarantee right it's um it's significantly less but it's just not a hundred percent uh one way or the other um but that being said how many people actually drink this stuff so we've covered a lot of the actual technical and historical background of decaf but how is this
1: used? What are the, you know, uses of decaf? Yeah. Who drinks it? When do they drink it? Well, I drink decaf. I like decaf. I make half-caf, though, which we'll we'll talk about our, our satisfactions or qualms with that in a minute. But um, I actually found a study. Um, it was an online study done in 2020 um, with about 3,000 people. And it just simply asked, you know, what amount, like... How, do you drink decaf regularly? That was basically the question. Um, and it, it doesn't, you know, it might... So according to this study, about 23% of American coffee drinkers... This is the United States. That's what I was going to mention. Um, 23% drink decaf regularly. So about a quarter of the population. Granted, this is a pretty small selection, but, you know, I, it was better than like 100. So I figured it was a decent one. Um, it, you know, my, it might sound like a lot, but like... was surprising to me. I thought it'd be like 10, maybe five. Yeah, that's... That was a little shocking to me. 23 does seem high. But when I, you know, kind of started to look around to see why decaf... Like I mentioned before, there was kind of a decaf craze. Maybe 20, 30 years ago, a little longer. And I looked on, of all places, Reddit to kind of see, you know why people drink decaf and someone actually posed the question who actually drinks decaf. And there were a bunch of comments and, um, I've basically whittled it down to these like categories, so to speak of people who would drink decaf and their reason. Um, the first one is people with adverse or allergic reactions to caffeine. Now that one's obvious. So Mm -hmm. if you're allergic to it, you can't drink it. Um, the next one is, uh, elderly people which is, again, I think a generational thing, possibly, because I know people kind of of the new elderly generation that don't drink decaf. They would, like, never drink decaf. They're a part of the why would I ever do that generation. So, like, yeah. Um, The next one is uh, those struggling with anxiety. Caffeine can really exacerbate anxiety, so that I don't like drinking coffee if I'm anxious because it just is like, oh no, now I'm hyper and nervous and sweaty and like all the worst things. As we
0: talked about in the, in the last episode, caffeine, it essentially blocks your body's receptors from going to rest. Mm -hmm. So with that, because your body's like, well, if you're not going to rest, then we're going to pump the adrenaline to get you going. So that, that anxiety, that stress, that flight or fight, uh, response: All of that can kick on when you have caffeine. Yeah. So yeah, if you struggle with anxiety, having caffeine is probably not it. It's some people think, oh, it'll make me focus through my anxiety. Usually, it's going to have an
1: adverse effect yeah. as
0: opposed to a, a productive effect. Mm-hmm.
1: The next one was um, people who have heart problems. Again, that makes sense. Uh, palpitations was kind of the most common one I saw commented uh the next one is women who are pregnant which i kind of forgot oh yeah if you're pregnant you can't i don't know if you can't or shouldn't have caffeine i think it was shouldn't, cause shouldn't. we talked about that
0: as well in the caffeine episode okay because it, it can like pass over the the placenta yes i think so it can be absorbed by the the, the sure. baby uh-huh. in utero okay uh, so it's just not it's not a great thing for them yep. to
1: have um, and then the last one, uh, uh, those who just want coffee, but without caffeine, simply they would, they enjoy coffee. They've probably had a couple cups of regular coffee that day, but you know, they, you know, for me, I know I like to have a cup of something hot or it's either really hot or really cold when I'm reading And if it's the winter, I always have decaf on at night because Mm -hmm. it's cold outside. I just want to sit down and read and be warm and be warm and cozy. And I don't want to be hyperactive. So, yeah. And we'll,
0: we'll go over some of the specific, like, when should you actually have decaf kind of questions a little bit later. Um, but one question that's been nagging me and I've been poking fun at this the entire (laughs) episode is why does it taste so different? Because let's just be real. Decaf coffee tastes different. It mm-hmm. does not taste like. There's just something. There's one little no. thing that makes it slightly different.
1: I I was even telling you before that um, when I make decaf, even if I just make a pot of decaf, I don't. I'm so I'm so tolerant to caffeine. It's not even funny. But like, I'll cut it with regular coffee, like a third regular coffee, to just kind of make it taste, taste a little better. Yeah, exactly. You know?
0: So. The unfortunate thing is there's no clear reason as to why this is, but most people, most authorities, uh, attest it to the soaking and heating and the beans of the beans in the water, uh, whether that's with solvents or the carbon dioxide or just, you know, soaking it in water. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like we said, that removes the caffeine chemicals, uh, for the solvents, you know charcoal whatever to grab onto but it also separates some of the other chemicals that give the coffee their bold and specific flavors so um the oils and just all these other little things any extracts
1: i mean yeah, yeah there's so generic
0: many flavor molecules that we keep alluding to they're taken out in that process as well and even though they try to re-soak the beans back into the water to help bring those flavors back in they don't just you know toss the water out and go like here you go because it probably tastes much worse if they did that
1: um so they They just throw all of it away and then ground up black beans and they put that in the cut in the container exactly uh with a little bit of dirt they gave up yes (laughs) so so because of that like you know it's
0: they're getting rid of all that flavor or a good chunk of it and then trying to reabsorb it. Yeah. It's, it's just not going to be a hundred percent effective. It's not going to get everything back in. So there's, it's, there's always going to be something lost in that process. Um, however, I found this, I found it interesting that there's so many different descriptors of decaf. Like it's not, nobody has like any consistent thought on what that f- missing flavor is Mm -hmm. when it comes to decaf. And this could be because of the the type of bean or the roast or the way that it was decaffeinated. Um, But you get lots of different things. You know, some people will say it tastes burnt. Others say it tastes like tar. Some people say it tastes... Chemi- you know, chemically or sterile or I hear bitter, cardboardy, rubbery or like dishwater, My, you know, in terms yeah. of the bad lingo that we use to describe decaf. But it's like those are all very different and some of them very contradictory descriptors. Mm-hmm. So I find it very interesting that to, you, you can just gain so much variety in what is lost in decaf depending yeah. on who's tasting it and the the beans and the roast and all that kind of stuff.
1: My yeah, my grandmother always said that uh decaf coffee to her always tasted stale. That was always the word she used. It was like it was like the she was like it's almost as if they leave the beans out to sit for years and they just lose it. You know, mm-hmm. they're just She's like it tastes like she she. I remember my granddad also used to say my on my mom's side he would say decaf coffee tastes like a shadow of coffee. It's like like or like an impression of itself or something. Like it's yeah. like coffee trying to become mimicking coffee or yeah. you know, like there was always that. Con- yeah, my grandparents always had that idea that, um, you know they always liked restaurant decaf because it tasted better. It wasn't mm-hmm. like what they got at the grocery store. Yeah, and I I distinctly
0: remember. Uh, one day working at uh, the coffee studio in Andersonville, I was working on the actual bar. So I was working on the espresso machine And this gentleman who comes in semi-regularly came in, and he would get, uh, I think it was either an espresso or a macchiato. I can't remember which one it was, Mm -hmm. but either way, it was just mostly espresso. Um, So he was an espresso connoisseur, and that's what he liked drinking, and he would just have it straight, essentially. Um, And so I did the shot of espresso for him, handed it over, gave it to him. He drank it, sipped it, drank it, sipped it, and he kind of gave me a look. He's like... Kind of started looking over the bar because, like, our, our bar was that we actually had stools at the bar. So you could almost, like, yeah. you know, like a, a regular pub or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And we had, we did have decaf espresso, and we have it in a, a grinder right next to the regular espresso. They're both labeled. They're, they go into the same one every single time. So it's not like there's no chance of messing it up. And the guy kind of leans in looking to see which one I, you know, pulled the espresso from or the grinds from. And he's like, I think you gave me decaf. And I was like, no, no, I-, I didn't. I gave you the, I. he's like, which one did you take from? I'm like, this one that says regular, regular, espresso. <laughs> regular espresso on it. You know, black cat espresso from that, you know, from Intelligentsia. That's what we use. Yeah. And they do have a decaf black cat. Right. So, and I was like, no, I use that. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure you use decaf. Like it tastes off. And I was like, no. And then my manager came in, he's like, any issue? And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he gave me decaf. And he's like, my manager looks at me. And I'm like, I gave him the one that says black cat espresso, the one that always has our regular espresso. And my manager, Tucker, he's just like, let me remake that for you. Makes it from the regular espresso gives it to the guy. And then of course he's still complaining about Mm -hmm. how it tastes like decaf and all that kind of stuff. And then Tucker made one for himself to see if like, we had like throughout the day that the, the espresso had kind of gone off or the humidity had changed it and made it taste a little bit different. Yeah, And he was just like, I can't taste it. You know, so it. I the issue was a wash, but the fact that the guy was just like, it tastes like decaf, like he knew immediately it's not, he didn't say that the espresso was off, that I didn't pour it right. He said it tasted like decaf. Like he had, he was so attuned to knowing what that flavor profile was that that's his first reaction. The thing
1: I think is, I mean, yeah, decaf does have a, a distinctly stale flavor, but so do old people's taste buds. You I mean you the guy know. was probably in his thirties or forties, so he wasn't, 40s. That, he, he wasn't that old. old. I, think, I, mean, you, I think he was just being a little bit of a prick. He just wanted a free Yeah, he coffee. just he
0: he wanted to cause a scene because he has such heightened taste.
1: But you know, I have heightened taste too, but I don't make everyone else suffer for it. Exactly. So don't <laughs> don't be like that guy. Don't be a douchebag who's trying to get free cups of espresso because he's too fucking cheap to buy a quad shot. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So anyway,
0: uh, yeah, I just, the flavor profile, that's just been such a huge thing about decaf. It's like, I would rather not drink decaf, not because it doesn't have caffeine, but because I don't like how it tastes. Sure. And there have been times where I've like tried decaf to see if I can taste the difference, and I always have. I've always been able right. to taste the difference. This one that we had earlier wouldn't really have tasted the difference. See, I would have just been like, "It's not my favorite cup of coffee."
1: I guess for me, I've, I sort of buffer myself too because I, I'm a white per. How do I say this? I am a like. While I am a good resource of like my palate, I can taste things, I can siphon flavors, I can spec those out. I am also very much a pretty average consumer in america i buy the most ridiculous coffee creamers you can find so if i have decaf it's like swathed in hazelnut richy goodness you're not you know? drinking it for the decaf <laughs> no coffee. you're just drinking I'm, it for the slight pretty, coffee flavor and then the hazelnut. i'm really creamer. excited because i bought the starbucks uh toffee nut creamer which i haven't seen in ages and i'm really excited that the jewel by my work had it And so, like, I'm still a regular, like, (laughs) you know, white girl about my coffee. You know, I'm still a regular, like, okay, yeah, pour tons and tons of creamer into a half a cup of coffee sometimes. Exactly. Shameless. But I
0: love coffee. So, yes. Love it. So take that as you will um, about the flavor profiles of decaf. Yeah. I think that it's gotten a lot better. I think a lot of these small batch producers like Dark Matter um, and like a few others that we'll mention later, have really honed in on oh, it. They've yeah. taken their time to craft something that is enjoyable to drink. Cause they they know that people are probably out there searching for it. They're probably, they're like, you know, these people like, you know, pregnant women or older elderly people, people with heart conditions or anxiety or whatever. They're like, I know I have Gays to have who need this. need their iced coffee, but they don't want to be anxious. <laughs> exactly. Um, they They know that there is a market for this. So if they can do their best to create something that is delicious and enjoyable, then they're gonna do yeah, they're gonna do just that. Definitely. With all that being said, kind of a silly question, but when is the best time to have decaf? Like you'd be surprised, but there are a lot of opportunities that might call for decaf. Um you yeah. know lots of people will think of switching over to decaf in the evening so you won't stay up late, but there's probably lots of other reasons to Have decaf on hand, or have decaf, uh, you know, on hand at home, or available at your local coffee shop, or things like that. Like we talked about earlier, it can be harmful for people with heart conditions because it can just increase your adrenaline Mm -hmm. and kind of get you going, get your heart racing. So if you have, you know, friends that might have heart conditions, or if your parents come over, or grandparents come over, like having decaf in a pot, you know set aside oh, yeah. is always like a nice it's a nice thing to be able to offer to someone can i put on a pot of coffee you know you don't want to like alienate anybody in the yeah kind of a thing
1: i definitely like having decaf in the house just because i i find that you know if i if i throw a party especially and i have a bunch of people over i usually make a pot of half-calf just because mm-hmm. it's most of my you know most of our friends most of my friends whomever we're all you know drinking coffee all day. So half calf doesn't really give a buzz. It just kind of gets you through and then you can still go to bed. That's how I, at least I am. Exactly. So I always have decaf in the house just because, you know, I never know. I'm still one of those people, you know, I find as I get older, I want to live in like a generation, a hundred years ago where like, you know, people would come over and be like, Oh, do you want coffee? You know, it's always like the thing I ask if I have, it, you know, just a guest over that I it's unexpected or maybe it's just quick, you know, quick in yeah, the moment. It's it's that, like, hey, I'm just, I'm thinking that very or? British,
0: like spot a tea. Like, yeah, you know, someone really. comes over, you put the kettle on. Like, that's just kind of yeah. what you do. Oh,
1: yeah. It's it's definitely just, um, I don't know. I don't want to say Midwestern, but it's just a personal thing of mine. It's just like, do you, I, I can't not offer someone something to drink, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's just like kind of good home maintenance and good home you know environment I, yeah and no culture.
1: i'm i'm a hostess for life so <laughs> hostess um, of parties
0: but as you're saying like with parties and dinners another great use for decaf coffee is as a digestive. uh something to have after Uh-oh. a big dinner and maybe a few glasses of wine so this coffee won't sober you up necessarily um but it can help one dilute the alcohol you know in your stomach you and kind of like fill mm-hmm. that and make it less of a Essentially, uh, even the ratio a little bit more of alcohol content in your stomach, it can, you know, probably clear your head a little um, and, you know, set in the process for your body to digest the food and, you know, process the alcohol or, you know, if you are having alcohol at that dinner. But essentially, Mm -hmm. you can use it as a digestive um, in a way. It just kind of helps your body relax. It's not caffeinating you. So it's not like forcing you to go. It's just putting you in a mood to be able to properly digest your food um and i think decaf decaf is especially good to pair with a dessert yeah. as well uh, i mean we'll i'm sure have a whole episode about what coffee goes with like foods and pastries to have with it oh yes and but you better that,
1: believe i will be baking my ass
0: off for exactly, that episode. but <laughs> we think about coffee with morning pastries i mean coffee also goes with most probably con- dessert confectioneries as it really well.
1: does and i think a big part of that is that um, coffee itself can take on so many different versions of sweet flavors. Like you can have citrusy notes that match, you can have mulling spices, you can have, you know, uh, uh, chocolate, you can have dairy, like you can have vanilla, vanilla, I think always yeah, assume caramel, like, like, like there's you know chocolate
0: a... with coffee. I think mm-hmm. we, we, cause those two go very well hand in hand, but vanilla is a huge, like it's almost a
1: like contradictory complimentary kind the best, of best the best mocha i ever had the secret they had was like one like a teeny bit of vanilla extract in the mocha like their mocha sauce or syrup or whatever mm-hmm. they use their chocolate sauce and their their guy told me it's like it's he's like vanilla and chocolate go so well together and chocolate and coffee go so well together and vanilla and coffee go so well together he's like why not? And, he, and I order dirty hot chocolate, which is hot chocolate with espresso. Some people would call that a cafe mocha, but here's the deal. I like hot chocolate mix used with the espresso, not mocha. Sauce. just mocha. yeah. Got it. Because to me, that almost gets to be too bitter. It almost tastes like bitter chocolate. I like okay. the sweetness. But you know, anyway, um, I do uh, kind of understand what you're saying about it being a digestif now that I think about it. Because, you know, a lot of people will order... Like if they're by themselves, especially, and they don't really have anyone to hold up, they'll order coffee at the end of a meal just to kind of, if they've had a big meal Mm -hmm. and I've never really put two and two together on that, I guess. Well, my girlfriend, Sarah brought up
0: something the other day that was very interesting as we were just talking about digesting food is that you're supposed to rest after you eat food Mm -hmm. because your body is going to use its energy towards digesting properly digesting that food Mm -hmm. so you could like you know go on a walk or something like that but like this is kind of why you get sleepy after you eat a lot of food is because your body's energy is focused on using that so like having a big lunch and then going back to work at an office job that's why you start getting droopy eyed right Mm -hmm. because your your body is using its energy to digest that food it's not using that energy for you to work right so by having caffeinated coffee you're telling your body to stop resting so you're you can actually kind of inhibit yourself from digesting by having caffeinated coffee after a meal so by having decaf you can still get that same flavor and you can you know have something to just consume but you your body it allows your body to actually properly process
1: yeah i think this really hits on that idea that the coffee flavor is metaphysical it's that Psychosomatic. Yeah, kind of it's like just the just the essence of it brings something to you, not necessarily the caffeine. Yeah, just the taste. Well, and I'm definitely the one, as like you were that. saying,
0: like you know, reading a book in cold, right, in the cold
1: winter. Like you're,
0: you might be doing that at you know eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, but you don't want to put on a, a whole thing of full caffeinated <laughs>
1: coffee. <laughs> Dylan is always like, "Why are you making coffee? It's 9 I'm like, "It's decaf," yeah. <laughs> because it's
0: it's a psychosomatic thing. You just want that hot you know, comforting beverage uh, Hot steaming in your hands. cup of super creamer filled Joe. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, another thing that decaf coffee is a very good option for is coffee-based cocktails. So we're talking about mixing coffee with other drinks or with um, food potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but since coffee is a stimulant and alcohol is a depressant, it really doesn't make any sense to put full caffeinated coffee no. into a an alcoholic beverage so if you're thinking like ca- espresso martinis or um coffee old fashions or just the Irish coffee, like things like that. It really doesn't make sense to combine the upper and the downer. So by using a decaffeinated coffee, you'll still get the flavor that you need for the drink, but you won't have that weird mix of chemicals Uh playing with your body. Well,
1: and remember what we said in the last episode about drinking and coffee. If you put caffeine in a drink, if you make an espresso martini, say that caffeine is probably going to make you, one, drunk faster because there's adrenaline running through your system and it's like, oh, alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. And also, it doesn't, like, they don't cancel each other out. It's not, they're two completely different things that do not interact with each other in the body. Mm -hmm. Like, one goes to the brain, one goes to the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like definitely a difference like don't think that you're like i'll still be sober and no no that's it doesn't cancel each other out you're just gonna be you're it's gonna not be not like
0: multiplication it doesn't work yeah you're gonna be sloppy drunk but really
1: energetic about it <laughs> to, to to a positive and a negative make a negative on this situation exactly so uh Yeah, so that's probably
0: a a good advice for anybody who's, whether you're at a bar or at home making drinks for your friends, for the people who are fancy enough to offer cocktails for their friends, um, do it with decaf coffee. I'm not that person yet. Exactly. Yeah, do it with decaf coffee, because not only will you actually be providing them with a potentially safer drink, Um, but you won't be wasting your regular coffee on something like that. So you can even have decaf coffee set aside just for making those kinds of drinks. Um, but Wesley, as a cook, is there any places like pastries or anything like that, that you would really use coffee in or coffee for Like coffee
1: is it, as an ingredient yes or is it more of a pairing thing? well it's more of a pairing thing there are applications of coffee in baking or flavor i mean obviously coffee and chocolate but the way i do that if i bake a cake with like a chocolate cake i always put instant coffee in the batter not runny not brewed coffee there are some recipes you can do brewed coffee but it's really tough to bake because their their batter gets really runny and you have to have a you have to be really good at it to know what you're doing at that level and for me i like easy cake baking and i also like instant espresso powder which is a more intense flavor so you use it more as a flavoring agent yes but not decaf though because i've never bought sanka you know it would be sanka that i would use as a flavor component but to I would fear that I would just still get more flavor out of the, like, whatever name brand, Italian imported espresso, instant espresso I buy. Mm-hmm. So really, no, it's more of a pairing, more of a preference, more of a, like you said, a dessert uh, drink option, definitely. I would always have decaf with a piece of cake or something. I mean, I if I was late, yeah, definitely. Not an ingredient so much, though. And maybe I'm just not an innovative enough cook to yeah, see. I, but, I just didn't yeah. know how...
0: If that was a possibility, because, uh, like I said, you know more about
1: Well, yeah, baking. the way I learned, it's a lot of instant espresso powder. You can use coffee extract, which doesn't have caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. So that arguably is decaf, but it's not coffee. Yeah.
0: I think the last biggest thing that we've kind of been hinting at as well is half calf. This yeah. is the phrase that we bring up uh, we brought up a couple times uh during this episode um obviously what it means is half caffeinated and half not essentially cutting the caffeine in half so if you have a standard eight ounce cup of coffee that has a hundred milligrams of caffeine in it you pour only four ounces of regular coffee and then four ounces of decaf in theory you'd only be getting. 50 milligrams of caffeine mm-hmm. for the same amount of liquid. So this would actually be close to what a standard eight ounce cup of black tea would be. Sure. So that's about, I think it was in the high
1: forties was mm-hmm. black tea. The, so the, I think so. Cause yerba mate, I think goes up into the like seventies or eighties. Yeah. yeah. So, so this would be about a, a half
0: calf cup of coffee, coffee would be as strong as a,
1: like Earl gray,
0: an Earl gray, English breakfast, something like that. So, if you do need to cut your caffeine intake, this is actually a very easy way to do so. You don't have to do like the cold turkey kind of a thing. You could just cut it in half um, this way. Now, most coffee shops and most diners probably have regular and decaf coffee on drip, so it would be easy to make like a you know a small to-go cup uh, or you know sitting at the diner to uh, cup of half calf coffee, but. If you're wanting a half-calf espresso drink, so lattes, cappuccinos, frappuccinos, yeah, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, it's you're going to be more hard-pressed to find that. Just most companies don't have decaf espresso.
1: Well, most small coffee small shops. companies. If you go yes. to a Starbucks or Dunkin', they do have decaf. But let me tell you why it's not recommended. Whenever we brew a decaf uh espresso we have to rinse the machine out to br- now brew a regular it literally the machine says rinse me like because they want to kind of expunge whatever flavor was there before so it takes literally two or three times as long mm-hmm. to make any kind of half-calf like espresso drink yes. it, w- it would be a huge hassle yeah well yeah, everyone in other, line will get mad at you and the other thing
0: <laughs> the the way that most – so that's probably – this is probably going to be different than how Starbucks has sure. to do it. But most coffee companies – so like when I was working for uh, Coffee Studio and they had a separate vat, a separate grinder for decaf and a separate grinder for regular, mm-hmm. you could make grinds for both of them, but you wouldn't grind – half of one into a portafilter, which is what's used to make espresso right. and then half of another into that same portafilter. Uh we'll get into espresso in a different episode, so all these terms will so like, be a little bit like Just to easier. put
1: it so if you're doing the manual espresso machine, it's a it's literally a complete and total hassle. Yes.
0: So you'd have to pour two separate shots, one of regular espresso, <laughs> one of decaf espresso, and then combine to them together. Them. However, most portafilters, when you pull a shot of espresso from that on an espresso machine, you're making two shots or two ounces. So a shot of espresso is an ounce of Mm -hmm. liquid. So most portafilters nowadays are just making a standard two shot. This is what most drinks are based off of. Honestly, around the world is two shots of espresso for espresso drinks. So in order to get you the right amount of espresso flavoring, but half-calf on an espresso drink they'd have to do that one pull of a of regular espresso, mm-hmm. one pull of decaf espresso, then pour half of each into your cup before they add any milk on top of that.
1: Not to mention So it's just like a
0: lot of math, a lot of hassle. It it's not that it can't be done, it's just going to be a little bit mm-hmm. more of a time. And not to mention process. you
1: can't you can't let espresso sit when for very you long. for very long. It's only good for like 30 to 60 seconds after it's brewed and like in the little, like once it's come out hot and after that, it starts to just like go downhill, dissolve. So you're
0: going to have to pour both, pull both of these espresso shots at the same time (laughs) into two separate cups and then pour them together into the to-go cup or the the mug or whatever and then probably have another person steaming coffee while you're doing our milk. Uh, milk while yeah, you're doing Yeah, the this. milk. Yeah So it's it's labor-intensive to do a half-calf espresso drink not that it can't be done But it's just gonna take some but time
1: take it from me and, it, and if you disagree with me, then I don't know what kind of restaurant you're working in but half-calf coffee simple literally it's like, yeah, half filled with one, half filled with the other. Room for cream, sugar, perfect. Half-caf coffee, like, if you're going to order it, make sure it's half-caf coffee. Like, just plain old coffee. Not a crazy frappuccino. we can, I mean, you know, there is decaf options, I mean, pretty much everywhere now, too, if, if it's a larger type, you know, place. But at the same time, yeah, it, half-caf is one of those things, too, where I... I don't know if this is what you ever do if you make half-calf, but I'll do, like, I base it on scoops in the filter, so I'll do a scoop of regular coffee, a scoop of decaf, and then maybe, like, depending on if I want less or more, I'll do another another scoop of either, but that's how I do my math, so to speak. Yeah, that's probably how I,
0: what is, well, I don't keep decaf at my home. Cause I I usually, I'm usually not drinking coffee that, that late. Um, but if I were to be out at a diner, at a restaurant, at a coffee shop, and I would probably go for the decaf or Mm -hmm. the half calf in that kind of a manner where I just say put half of each, uh, uh, into my cup. But, uh, yeah, that's half calf. I think that's a great kind of transitional thing for a lot of people. So they don't have to go full one way or the other. It just, takes a little more eyeballing it because you're obviously having to do the math when you do all of this right so just take a little more precaution with it um, but the one of the last things I really wanted to cover for for decaf is what are some of the best tasting decaf coffees so what is available out there and I mean there's tons and you could just google best tasting decafs and you're gonna get Lots of different responses and lists and stuff like that. Um, but here are a few that consistently popped up that I thought were worth mentioning. Um, the first one is Life Boost Coffee Decaf. Um, so unlike most coffee companies who make one, maybe two decaf coffees just to like have one available, you know, have the option mm-hmm. for their buyers. LifeBoost has invested time and energy into making several decaf blends so that People can not only have a great tasting decaf, uh, but they can have a few options as well. And they make up to twelve decaf coffees.
1: Wow, that's a, um, kind of a startling number. There's not, you literally, yeah. like you said, most companies make one, maybe two.
0: Yeah, uh, because they're just like they almost use decaf as a flavor. They're like, that's our decaf flavor. Yeah, we just take whatever random beans we have and just turn it into decaf. Decaf. Yeah, but this way, with a company like Life Boost, you get options. Like if you want a dark roast decaf right if you want a light roast if you want a fruity if you want a chocolatey you know you can kind of pick out those flavor profiles which is why this company is um has appeared on several lists is because they just give you options Uh, another one is called volcanica house blend decaf that's another favorite that's popped up um, or just volcanica in general, uh, I guess they're kind of like Life Boost in this, in that they have several options. Um, but they use small batches of roasted coffee, so everything is super fresh when it gets to you. So they don't like do big vats and then mm-hmm. send it out that way. They do it kind of like on order, mm-hmm. almost. Um, they also use the Swiss met water method um, to decaffeinate their beans, so there's no added solvents in their process. Process, um, so it's it's very clean. So if you're mm-hmm. thinking about like health stuff like that sure um which i think it's funny that it's called volcanic and it's decaf and they use the swiss water method which uses activated charcoal <laughs> i don't know i just think volcanic and charcoal sure are two kind of complementary words <laughs> yeah there um and the other thing is that volcanica is 100 percent kosher certified oh good for at least for their decaf mm-hmm. uh blend so good to know that way um, so those were two like smaller companies that I saw pop up on a lot of lists, but some nationwide brands were Seattle's Best decaf portside blend. Uh, so Seattle's Best, which I believe is under Starbucks, I Starbucks
1: owns the name. Yes, now. I yeah, I think they're like kind of like they're smaller. Maybe like brand. a Maybe like a home-style Starbucks. I am not exactly. sure. I'm pretty sure that it's owned now, though. Yes. It's not yeah. its own company. Um, and
0: then the other one was Pete's Decaf Major Dickinson's Blend, um, which I believe this was actually a dark roast decaf. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you wanted a dark roast but also decaf, then that was probably your best option. Nice. But I, I found these Seattle's Best and Pete's because I know that volcanica and life boost not might not be available nationwide in grocery stores. You might have to order those online if that's right. what you're trying to find. But Seattle's best and Pete's are
1: pretty nationwide. Pete's I think is really just big cities. Big cities. Yeah, because we have it. I know New York has Pete's, but I don't know we I never saw Pete's coffee in Nebraska. That's true. You know, growing that's up true. but Seattle's best is everywhere, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, so Yeah
0: if you're looking for some good options, those are definitely some good options. I would also say that Sin that we had from Dark Matter is definitely yeah, a good option. for sure. Uh, I'd like to see what these other ones taste like, honestly, especially this Pete's because it's a, a dark roast or yeah. so it says. So I wonder if that would help kind of bring a little more body to it overall and for make sure. it like actually a more flavorful uh, decaf that I, you know, you wouldn't put as much creamer or flavored creamers in kind of a thing. Yeah. But it'd be, it would, it would just be interesting to yeah. see how that one tastes. For sure.
1: Well, I'm going to close out this episode, uh, with a fun fact, and I'm sure this is the fun fact you've been asking yourself this whole episode. Cause I just know you and it's why are all decaf carafes colored orange or green? And the answer is actually really cute. It's because of Sanka and Folgers, respectively. So Sanka's logo is orange. And uh, due to like the overwhelming success of the product, restaurants that started to carry decaf and diners who u- carried decaf used orange because people automatically associated it with Senka. Um Folgers kind of was like, Oh yeah, but we're green. <laughs> so Folgers has the green as their decaf. And I think the way it's become now is that the restaurant industry specifically uses orange and the consumer market industry uses green so like because most people at the grocery store will see Folgers most people at a restaurant will see orange like it's sort of like it's split now but those are the reasons I thought that was really cute I was like oh it's not like it wasn't some guy was like oh it's orange it's like oh no it's because how do we tell the difference literally so- someone was like hey people will know that this means decaf because everyone drinks Sanka." <laughs> like yeah. yeah and folgers was one well, i'm sure like, at meh. these
0: Sanka coffee shops cafes that sure. were popping up in, oh, in new I york wonder they probably you know made specialty they they probably you know went to bun or had, went to yeah. whoever to make their their coffee machines uh, their brewers, their percolators, whatever they had, and said, like, hey, we want you to do this in ceramic orange because that's our color. Yeah. It's probably just a marketing that, thing. I for bet them. that's true. So people would go into those coffee shops, see the orange, and go,
1: like, I know this is decaf. And let me tell you, I've done orders from like US food, like the the people you order restaurant stuff from, they only make it in black or orange. There's no other colors you can order. and like, unless it's like theme. Or you're like, you know, you have a weird, kitschy restaurant. But, like, you can't buy the green, even. The only reason you'd ever buy green is if you actually sell Folgers decaf. That's the only way you'll ever get a... You'll see a green... Decaf carafe at a restaurant. That means that they saw Folgers. I but wonder
0: if you have to go through Folgers direct to get
1: You that. do. I looked. And the thing is is that the reason that, that for that reason most restaurants don't serve Folgers because it's just cheaper to order it through US Foods or Testa or whoever you order your your food from around the country. Cause I mean our coffee at the restaurant was um it was a restaurant brand, but that doesn't mean it isn't good. Most restaurant brand coffee is actually pretty decent. Like, but yeah, no, the orange is uh, thanks to Senka. So.
0: Very fun. Yeah. I mean, the original decaf co- company.
1: Yeah, pretty still much. and
0: strong in pop culture you can i mean
1: yeah there's even you know like references to it in television shows still they still reference sanka it's more of kind of like a joke now like who yeah. who really still drinks sanka yeah but and i think in europe it still holds a pretty decent sales margin in america not so much because we've now adapted to drip coffee and yes well
0: in europe they know, still instant coffee is still not as big as it was but it's still
1: much larger yeah. demographic oh, than yeah it is it's, in america i think you know but i think they've mastered instant coffee that's a different episode but either nice. way <laughs> now i'm thinking of the um the greek coffee cups in new york yeah with the with the the, the, the blue and white ones yeah exactly. oh yeah anytime i go to new york i have to get one of those just to be a shitty tourist yeah exactly now i'm th- now i'm thinking we should do an entire episode about
0: <laughs> The specifics of coffee mug design. I
1: have, yeah, that's in my list. Do, speaking of topics, do I get to pick this next week? Yes, because I got or to pick episode? last week,
0: so you pick it out this week. So we're rifling through the mug to pick out one of the three topics.
1: And the topic is the coffee belt. The coffee
0: belt, not the coffee suspenders. The coffee
1: belt. The coffee belt.
0: Ooh, so we're this gonna- will be a fun very educational geography lesson geography lesson (laughs) that is specifically attributed to coffee so tune in next time yeah bring a map with you have a map on your phone have it up on your phone (laughs) i'll put a link (laughs) and we can go travel down to the equator together
1: Ooh, the widest part
0: of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Coffees On. I hope you learned a lot about decaf. I hope that it has opened your horizons to what decaf can actually do yeah. for you and how it can taste. Because it definitely did for me, and I'm very happy about.
1: Definitely. That. I mean, I I want to just drink a whole pot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Hello, listeners. Wesley here to talk to you a little bit about how you can support this show. For each episode of all of our podcasts here at Arcadia, we spend our own money on books, articles, and other material so that we can bring you podcasts that are thoroughly researched and fact-checked. All of the hosts and producers of these shows also work full-time jobs in addition to the podcasts so that we can support this passion we all share. If you'd like to support us at We're Getting a Dog, as well as the other podcasts in the Arcadia Podcast Network head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash we'regettingadog or our website, we'regettingadog.com support. For as low as $2 per month, you can get access a day early to every new episode of We're Getting a Dog and other Arcadia Podcast Network shows, such as Coffee's On and Good Food for Bad Friends. And at higher levels, you can get one-of-a-kind swag. Thank you for supporting the Arcadia Podcast Network, and for listening to this podcast. Now back to the show. Did you know that all modern scent hounds are descendant of the bloodhound? Or that the chihuahua's ancestor, the Tashiji dog, dates back to the Aztecs? Or that a border collie named Chaser knows 1,000 words? You know, the pit bull used to be considered America's dog, and was our country's symbol in World War I. Did you know that you could learn all of these facts and more about dogs if you listen to our podcast, We're Getting a Dog? Each week we go over a different breed's history and what it takes to own it. And we talk a little bit about why we love the breed and try to present each dog in a fair light. You can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you stream podcasts. From the Arcadia Podcast Network.